welcome Coach Gene Ubriaco to episode number two of our special topic series. We are going to talk a little bit today about fundamentals and intangibles in the sport of lacrosse. So before we begin, Coach, do you mind just maybe introducing yourself? Who are you and what are you, what are you doing on Gilman's campus today? Yeah, and yeah. What, what are you looking forward to talking about? Sure. Well, uh, like I said, I'm the head lacrosse coach at Loyola Blakefield. I'm also a middle school teacher. I've been a middle school teacher for 25 years. Um, so I, I definitely like the, uh, the, the subject uh, matter and the people that are middle school guys. They're fun to be around. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to being on Gilman's campus to chat with you about one of our favorite topics, which is lacrosse and coaching and um, fundamentals and intangibles. Awesome. And you work with middle school guys every day, and you've done that for a while. And maybe that's where we want to go and, and start with this conversation is the middle school lacrosse player. And what are some skills that they need to develop as they become high school lacrosse players and get to the next level? And the first thing that I thought about before coming into the conversation today was ground balls because for me – and my dad coaching me throughout my life and the coaches I've had, ground balls is always the number one topic of, of when you talk about fundamentals, it's if you can't get the ground ball up off the ground, you're not going to be any good. You're not going to you're not going to have a spot on any team. Um, so maybe we can start our conversation about fundamentals with with ground balls and, and how important that is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, just thinking about the rules of lacrosse, right? I think it's the only game where you're never guaranteed possession, right? So you know, every other sport, you get a possession usually when the other team scores. So lacrosse, you have to earn every possession, and that starts from the ball being on the ground. So, you know, just from the fundamental of the sport, picking up the ball is really, really important. And I also think, you know, other than the, the techniques and the fundamentals of picking up a ground ball, it also just illustrates kind of a, a will, right? Um, I think when you're watching a bunch of middle school guys play any sport, you know, the one thing that will stand out is like, you know, who are the guys that are constantly around the ball or who are the guys that want to go and get it? If you, you know, there's a lot of sports where the ball comes to you, but lacrosse is, you know, one where you kind of have to go get it. So mm-hmm. um, I think that is definitely obviously a, a really important skill and important fundamental. And middle school guys, I think, too, is just, um, you know, the ability to just play um, and not be so structured. I think, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about is just, how that whole dynamic I think has really changed. Um, there are just some things I think that unless you learn them at a at a young age, and middle school is that incredibly developmentally appropriate age to learn everything. Like if you kind of if you don't get those things at that age, it's it's hard to ever become like really elite at something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, kind of like you know just different ways of of learning things. Um, so I think uh, in general, ground balls are an important fundamental, but I also think you know, developing skills a certain way um, through free play and rather than just um, kind of learning through um, rote Mm -hmm. repetition. Right. So really pick up lacrosse and getting out and playing. Really for me growing up, I think mini lacrosse and playing just – I think back to the final four weekends where you're you're tailgating and you're out there just yeah. playing around mini lacrosse, and that happened in my neighborhood a little bit. But when I do lessons with younger kids now, middle school guys or even younger than that, I just bring out the mini lacrosse goals and just break up into teams and kind of just play pickup because I agree with what you're saying is 
that's where you can kind of learn the game a little bit more, learn the movements, learn how to move off ball, um, kind of practice the will on the ground that you're talking about. I think that's that's lost a little bit in today's kind of organized, structured yeah. game. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree completely. I mean, um, my youth lacrosse experience consisted of, um, you know, one of my, my good friends who coaches in this league with me, Andy Hillgartner, we played three by lacrosse in his backyard pretty much every day of the summer, you know. And um, I think, you know, the, the shift from fluency to accuracy, you know, like when you're just, and I'm not disparaging, you know, going on a wall and practicing and doing that, but that's a very, um, you almost turn your brain off and do that, like driving a car. You're not really thinking about what you're doing. But when you're playing three-by, you're, you're very active with your brain, you know. So I think um, being able to assess context and playing against other people, uh, I, th- I just think that's such a better way to learn. And I think sometimes as coaches, um, especially at the, you know, at the high school level in this competitive league that we play in, you know, you almost feel like you're not practicing if you're if you're playing like some small games. But honestly, for development, that's really the the way to do it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. For sure, when you when you watch middle school guys or younger guys and try to get a sense of if they can make it to the next level and stand out at the next level, what are some other facets of their game that you are looking for? So maybe it's the tenacity on the ground and, and their ground ball play. But what are some other intangibles or fundamentals that you think are really the most important to translate to the high school level? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the ability to just make others better, and that's a really hard thing to do. But again, um, you know, someone who's willing to go and pick up a ground ball and then just move it to the next guy. Um, Someone who is charismatic enough that um, their presence inspires others, you know, and I think that's an important trait um, especially with, with young guys. Again, you know, I've watched so many recesses over my time, and, and you, know, you, you see all that stuff happen right there. You know? um, it's really fascinating to watch a bunch of kids when adults are not organizing their lives and telling them what to do. Um, they somehow manage to you know, pick the teams, um, usually pick pretty fair teams. Um, and so I think you know, learning, you can see leadership skills doing that as well. Um, but, you know, I think anytime the guys are doing free play mm-hmm. um, and anytime you're playing against someone else, it just allows you to assess context. I mean, I think there's two ways that you learn something permanently. Like, for example, someone just told me the other day that the game TAG is an acronym that stands for touch and go. And I, I, never, I never knew never that. Never knew that. And it fascinated me <laughs> mentally so much that I know I'll never forget that, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I think the, the best way to, to put stuff into your brain from a skill and fundamental perspective is to, is to bring it in through your brain, right? And that's you, the way you see things, the way you um, assess things. So um, look, again, I think there's, there's a need for rote fundamentals, obviously, right? There, like you have to have certain uh, core competencies in any sport or any endeavor to be able to, you know, be very good at that endeavor but I also think the the way you develop fluency versus accuracy is through competing and doing it with others in an unscripted nature yeah and one of my favorite things about the game of lacrosse is the creative element and 
you can tell guys, you can tell middle school guys to hit the wall every day and do these certain things in order to get better. But it's really, in my view, the guys that are willing to take risks and pick up a, a new non-conventional skill and practice that and be able to to work that into their game are the ones that really succeed at the next level i think of like a guy like Ryder garnsey and watching him play he's not a very big dude but he's one of the most exciting guys to watch play because he he, he's just worked so many different creative elements into his game or lyle thompson like they they've taken the sport and the ability to change your stick and practice a new skill and 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 they're able to do that at the next level against bigger guys more athletic guys maybe yeah and again like i think that's um a a character trait too because you know to kind of um if if you kind of come up through a a a rigid system of being taught by someone who may yell at you if you try and do something that's a little bit creative you know a lot of times guys won't they won't do that again they learn that oh well i better not do that right but I think um, in so many ways the environment that you are learning in the environment that you're being coached in and instructed in creates that ability right and if you think about all the Canadian players that are so impactful in like the college games that you watch every weekend you know the environment they play in is typically indoors in box lacrosse where the ball doesn't go out of bounds. There's always your rebounds. You know, there's different angles that you have to throw the ball in order to catch it and receive it. There's different angles you got to shoot to get it past the goalie. So I think that environment creates that need for um, unscripted and creative ways to do things, you know. Um, And I think the more structure you bring into things, for example, there are so many fundamentals, you know, quotes that over the years as a player that you know I've had coaches tell me but then you watch games on Saturday and well that face-off guy just picked up that ground ball one-handed like eight times in a row because he's pinched and popped it and he's going for a fast break and um, the only way Grant Amon got that pass through to the other side is you know he had to drop the head of his stick like Patrick Mahomes does when he throws football so you know those are almost new fundamentals Um, Mm -hmm. you know so I think uh it's really important that the environment that you're training in and learning in supports that creativity because that is one of the great things about lacrosse is it's 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 so fun to play uh, because of that creativity and um, you know I think uh, the more that you can learn those things and be willing to try them and not af- be afraid to be great mm-hmm. um, that's I think the fear of failure is obviously a lot of people have that fear, but I think it's a greater fear of being great mm-hmm. um, is, is a fear that mo- more people have. That's more an intense fear um, because it really, to do that, you're going to have to be willing to fail a lot in order to become great. Right. It's a, I mean, it's definitely a risk to throw that sidearm yeah. pass or, you know, shoot it underhand, but it's, it, it's like any kind of artistic craft and I've talked about this before in the context of maybe like art or painting like once you master the fundamentals once Grant Amant masters the overhand to the ear pass then he can start doing the sidearm and the and the more creative aspects but until he kind of gets and you tell me if you agree with this until he gets that perfect overhand pass He's not. He's probably not going to be able to throw the sidearm pass because you'll see you'll see middle school guys come out and try to do that, and 
it doesn't work. You can't do that. Throw yeah. it overhand first. No, I, I agree. Like, like those are the, you know, you have to, have, like I said, hey, you have to have some core competencies in order to be, um, to try those other things. It's just like the, you know, crawling before you walk and run. Um, yeah, like, a, you know, you got to eat off the kids menu for a little bit before you get to, you know, get onto the, uh, you know, the, the, the fancy menu. And, um, but I think, again, you know, the way that you can develop those skills is through experimentation and just being allowed to try, um, you know, and I think that's so important to kids' development is being allowed to try things and not being so worried about a negative outcome. Because I think in general, I think kids are much more, um, they struggle to cope with those things a lot more now mm -hmm. than, because I just think, um, you know, as adults, sometimes we try and take all roadblocks out of their way just because we love our kids and, you know, but subsequently because of that, they don't necessarily develop those skills on how to overcome when things don't work out, you know. So um, I think it's good to let kids try things. Um, within reason, obviously. Do you think, from your vantage point, are kids less willing to take a risk in the game of lacrosse now than maybe previously? I, I 100%. Like, yeah. I mean, there are, you know, typically when we practice, there are a lot of times where you have to put a condition in, like, guys, I want you to take some risk here, okay? Mm -hmm. I want you to throw it inside. Like, it's okay. We're, we're trying to establish a style of play, all right? And it really takes the coaches kind of swallowing their whistle a little bit and swallowing their, you know, to, 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 to get that kind of style, you have to live with a little bit of sloppiness. It's like anything, right? If, you, if you're always, always, always measuring twice and cutting once, you, you don't maybe have as many of the mistakes. But, you know, if you're trying to maybe play a little bit more freelanced and a little bit more creative and, than, uh, and unscripted, you may have a few, you know, a few more mistakes that you have to tolerate. I wonder if that's also maybe a product of the the college game today. Just watching it, it's it, it is very scripted, I think. And it's like if you watch games from the '80s or the '90s, it's up and down, it's fast paced. Guys are trying certain things, they're trying different passes. Where today, it's there's a lot of coaching going on, which yeah. which is necessary too. I mean, I guess you have to coach that way in order to compete and cherish your possessions and make the most of every opportunity but at the same time you're losing a lot of that creativity that is so exciting about the sport I think yeah and again obviously coaching is a profession right so um, at the college level you're you know it's it's about wins and losses and let's be honest it is it's it's much easier to probably have total control over your group and have you know 30 stormtroopers out there that are all going to, you know, kind of look the same, do the same things, you know, always make the the safe play, you know, it, it might be an easier way to produce winning outcomes with certain teams and certain rosters. You know, I think of, like you mentioned in the 80s, you know, um, watching Syracuse play in the 80s and Roy Simmons, who just was kind of, you know, he was an artist, you know, and he'd kind of sit on the sideline and those guys just kind of enjoyed playing lacrosse in Syracuse. The ball out. Yeah. And subsequently, you know, I mean, they, they got some of the all-time greatest legends that played in that program, you mm -hmm. know. So, um, again, I, I just gets back to that. I think the environment creates the outcome and the product um, and the environment that you're not only that you're coached in, you're trained in, um, and, you know, the environment that you're, that you're competing in. 
When you watch high school or college players, or even when you watch any players today, what are some of the intangibles that you look for? So some of the characteristics of players' games that might not be able to be instilled through coaching, but are just kind of natural to a player. So maybe that creativity, that element is one of those intangibles. But what are some of the other things that you you just can't coach? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, just a, a will, right? Like a, a, a will to win um, and a will to compete. I mean, I think those are, th- those jump off the page, um, watching games on the weekend, uh, watching high school games. You know, you can you can see, um, like some players, you can feel them play. And I think when you have a player that is competing at that level that you can, you know, you cannot help but feel that guy play and his impact on the field. So I would say just a desire, right? I think desire is really hard to, you know, coaches say often you can't coach want to, you know? Mm-hmm. And so having a strong desire, I think is a really, really important intangible in, in a player in, in, in any sport. Um, a joy, you know, playing with joy. I mean, again, you can tell guys when you watch them play, you can, you can feel their intensity, but sometimes you can also feel their joy and the spirit that they play with. And that's just infectious, mm-hmm. um, you know, and subsequently, if you're playing with maybe um, fear in your heart or, or worry, that's also infectious and that kind of bleeds to the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, courage, you know, I think courage um, is something that's really, really important. You know, I, I would say fearfulness and, and I don't even know if laziness is a word in, in you know, our vernacular anymore, but I, I think those are two human traits that are really hard to dissipate. You know, So I think um, someone who plays with a lot of joy, a lot of spirit, um, a competitive nature um, is courageous. And courageous means doesn't mean that you, know, you don't have fear. It just means that you're willing to maybe do something anyway, even despite your, your fear, right? mm-hmm. your hesitancies. Um, and then I would say the last thing is just um, a, a, a charisma, you know, um, being a great teammate, you know, someone that all of the other guys know that you have their back and that you're going to do whatever it takes to not only um, help the team win, but, you know, make them better. And I think that's, uh, there's no greater compliment than to be called a, a great teammate because I think it encompasses all of those things. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great one. I wrote that down. I wrote down communication too, because that's something that I think goes un- underlooked a little bit in the sport, especially at the at the younger levels, is you don't hear much talk and, and in college it's like if you're not if you're not out there talking and communicating with each other, you're gonna be completely out of the loop and off you know, not on the same page. So I think communication is underlooked a little bit. Um, but, but I agree. Yeah. If you ever, I mean, if you just watch a college team practice or warm up versus like a high school team, it's it's like you're dealing with a completely different experience. It's so loud watching a college team, you know, celebrate everything too. Just right. not just the communication that's necessary to being efficient, but just the the hooting and hollering and the celebrating of every little thing, like a great shot, a great pass, a nice ground ball, you know. Yep. And all that stuff is is all part of you know. Um, lifting the group, you know, yeah. collectively. That that goes right into excitement too. And yeah. I was thinking about this weekend. I was watching Matt Moore play, and he grew up kind of near me, outside Philadelphia. Went to Garnet Valley, and 
I think I was a senior and he was a freshman, and we played against Garner Valley, and we always knew that he was going to be an absolute stud. But um, watching him against Loyola this weekend, you can see his excitement and his will for the ball. He's 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 almost like begging to get the ball on his stick and yeah. moving around and, and hunting the ball. So I, I think that's something that almost can't be coached is, you know, wanting the ball yeah no I agree I mean and listen he might be you know I was talking about fluency earlier I mean he might be one of the most fluent lacrosse players there is I mean he's he's two-handed um he can he can run he can pass he played midfield I think in high school um he's converted now to an attackman at Virginia um he had you know I think he was the first guy to have 40 goals and 40 assists you know in Virginia's history so he's just you know he he has all of those core competencies to a level that he is a he's a fluent lacrosse player and he certainly makes others better um you know he virginia when he's playing is is a different team and even though he has that kind of will and desire and uh, ability to take over the game he does play within the you know he plays within the game you know it almost never feels like he's injecting himself but but you know that at any time if they really need him to he can mm-hmm. yeah he, I mean, he forces a little bit, but he really lets the game come to him, and he operates in that system. I, I totally agree with that. Um, in terms of, like, toughness and grit and, and ground balls, just going back to that point, do you, do you think grit, toughness, that's something that you can coach, or is that just that's just who wants it? It's just kind of a natural instinct out there. Yeah, I think, look, um, I think you can coach, like, again, there's guys that just have a tremendous amount of whatever you want to call it, grit or, you know, dog in them. They just, you know, they just have this desire to um, make all the little tough plays, right? And I, I think that's definitely in you or not in you. But I also do think that you can, you know, you, you can train yourself to um, effectively be a little bit more gritty, um, mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily in your nature. You know, just by running full speed you know sometimes I think it's not because guys um, have a lack of want to but again I think the way you process what's going on in the field and your the immediacy with which I need to react to that or you know I think um, you can play tougher than you are you know I know plenty of times we've we've had conversations with guys who are like you know listen just you know fake it till you make it you know you're you're, you're a big guy, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the toughest guy in the world, but because you're a bigger guy, you know, and, and there might be some guys that judge you as being tough because you're big, you know, if you just kind of scrap it up a little bit more, you know, you, you might come up on the better end of things every mm-hmm. once in a while. Um, but I do think it's, you know, um, it's something that's inherent. Um, and, again, we, you know, there's, there's plenty of players that um, – that I've coached over the years that um, are outwardly aggressive uh, and that can be, I don't want to say misconstrued as being tough, but then there's also guys that are incredibly resilient tough. And that's, you know, I think of, you know, I coached Well Stanwick and that guy was the, the tough, I, he never missed practice. He got so physically beat up every time he would play because he's you know he was five foot ten 165 pounds and wasn't incredibly fast but just always put himself in harm's way and so you know I don't think anyone would 
maybe consider, you know, you watch Ryan Tarafenko play and you're like, wow, that's a tough, tough lacrosse player. Absolutely. Um, if you watch John Nostrand play back in that, that's a tough lacrosse player. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if you said, well, you know, well, Stanwick, like, he's a tough lacrosse player, you know, really, really resilient, durable, um, willing to, you know, willing to, to take a hit to make a play. Right. And that's, that's a, that's a toughness as well. Yeah. I was going to say sometimes even, you know, not fading behind the goal and taking a step to the, to the doorstep, knowing that you're going to take a hit, right. That, that, that's a minor thing, but that shows toughness too. I remember my coach in college, you would, you would freak out if you ever faded behind the net when you're scoring, not, not only, not because it's not a great shot, not, not that you can't put it in with a lower angle, but it just kind of shows a little bit of weakness that you're not willing to pay the price. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what are some other things that you brought in that you wanted to maybe talk about in terms of just fundamentals and, and trying to teach some of these younger guys how to play the game? Because I think in middle school and in high school too, obviously, like parents kind of look at the box score and they, you know, the first question they ask you when you get in the car is how many goals did you score right. and how many assists did you have? But there, there's so much more to the sport that I don't think people really know about or, or understand. Yeah, I would say probably the number one thing I tell more players more than anything else is there are so many ways to impact the game, okay? And right now you're only focusing on one way to impact the game, right? So, like, let's say as an attackman. Obviously, attackmen, um, they get a lot of points, right? They, they score and they get a lot of assists, but there's so many ways to impact the lacrosse game as an attackman, right, as a tenacious rider, um, as someone who's, you know, going to run shots out, someone who is going to, you know, make a, a hockey assist, right? So I think um, sometimes, obviously, it's easier to focus on the stuff that produces a lot of the, you know, kind of um, highlight and, you know, social media culture. But I think thinking about all those other ways that you can impact the game mm-hmm. is really, really important. You know, from a midfield standpoint, you know, just um, making sure that you're, you know, you're picking up ground balls you're in between the restraining lines, you, you know, you're carrying the mail, bringing it from one end to the other end, you know, head manning the ball, getting in front of the ball, um, just finishing your cut. So you have to take someone with you, which m- opens up a skip lane, you know, for someone else to score a goal. So, like, there's so many different ways to impact the game, right, mm-hmm. other than just stuff that's that's measurable or stuff that gets in the stat sheet. So I think that's really important. Um, I also think, too, like, just um, understanding that, that, that fundamentals are really, like, also concepts, you know, rather than just a, a, a technical skill, mm-hmm. you know. And I think there's so many lacrosse has become so much more um, complex in how it's schemed these days, you know, like um, just understanding how to, like, for example, like um, I know when I was growing up playing lacrosse, you know, working on that offhand so that your offhand was as good as your, your dominant hand. I mean, yeah, that's definitely important, but it's also clearly been, you know, shown by one-handed players that you can be equally as effective. So, you know, I think the concept of learning how to impact a game, whether you're two-handed or one-handed, like how do I get back to my natural side? How do I get back to the middle of the field? Mm-hmm. Um, learning all those things, you know, I think that's important. Um, and again, just the more opportunities you can, you think about basketball, you know, basketball guys, typically what they do is they play pickup. You know, they, 
they get together and they play pickup basketball. And basketball and lacrosse are really, really similar. Now, you know, football is an incredibly scripted sport. Tough to get 11 dudes together to play football, right? Right. But lacrosse, again, is, is a sport that maybe you don't get 11 guys or 10 guys together, but you can play some of those um, smaller games. Three by is a great way. And as much time as you can get playing box is important. Um, it's because it gives it, the environment creates a lot of different skills for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important. And, you know, I, again, at the end of the day, um, one of the things we, we tell our guys a lot is like, you know, there's, there's the animals that live in the zoo and the animals that live in the jungle. And, you know, the ones in the zoo, they, they learn what to do maybe every day, but like they don't really know and understand how to fully be, you know, that animal because they're not in the wild. They're not reading context. They're not having to do things that is different every single day. Mm-hmm. So again, I think, um, you know, we, we try and let our guys be pretty creative, you know, within reason, obviously. You know, we're not just tossing the ball over the playground. But, um, you know, I'm definitely – you got to coach the way that you are as a person. I'm not a big-time screamer. You know, I think if you're yelling at kids, you kind of run out of good ideas. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think uh, a lot of the creativity does come from the environment that you're, that you're in. For sure, I think at, at every level of the game, confidence is such a such a huge part of success on the field. And if you lack the the confidence out there for some reason, what are some ways that that you can gain confidence? And and I always say that it's more time on your own, practicing your skills and getting comfortable with your stick because your stick is it's the biggest part of the game. If you don't if you're not comfortable with your stick and your stick isn't your best friend. Then you're not you're going to be uncomfortable on the field. Yeah. Um, but what are some ways that guys can gain some confidence? Because you you see that a lot, especially at the higher levels or in a competitive league like the MIAA, when everyone is good, yeah. it's hard to ha- kind of have the mindset that I'm the best out here, which you, you kind of need if you're going to contribute. Yeah. I mean, I think of confidence as like an equation of it's it's self belief times successful outcomes, right? And so like. You, you try and feed both ends of that equation. Um, so, you know, sometimes if you don't have a lot of self-belief, well, what are ways that you can improve that? Well, um, set little small benchmarks for yourself. And even if they're on a simple skill, right? And once you reach that benchmark, you know, that's naturally you should feel a little bit positive about your self-belief because you achieve something, you know? And so you start with just little benchmarks, little small goals, and that could help your, your self-belief. Obviously, again, you know, um, having people around you or um, the environment that you're being instructed in, if you're given a little bit of some positive um, feedback, that also does help your self-belief, mm-hmm. right? Now, positive outcomes you can't always necessarily control, but I think that's, um, again, it's, it's really important to um, be, like, I think when you talk about um, competing and and with younger kids it's so important that they are competing in an environment that gives them an opportunity to have some successful outcomes at the level they are currently mm-hmm. you know so um there's this uh hungarian philosopher guy um mihai chik sent you know and he has this like flow theory it's called the theory of optimal experience and he talks about exactly like when you're doing something that is so enjoyable that just doing it gives you the happiness. It's where your skill level meets the challenge level, you know. And I think 
again, in youth sports, everybody wants to be competing at the highest level they can for whatever brand that is, um, when maybe their skill level doesn't meet that challenge level. And, that, and that's really never gonna help your confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the only way um, you, you build confidence is try and you know, work on that equation. So you know, successful outcomes times self-belief, do small little things that help you um, lead to bigger and successful outcomes. Love that advice. And the, we had something similar. It might be the same philosopher's zone of proximal development. Maybe it's the same thing. It's like when you're stretching your, your comfort zone, but you're still, you know, you're still feeling like you're in the right place and you're in that flow state. And that's the best place to be in. You can tell when someone's in that, Absolutely. In that area because they have, like Matt Moore, the, the confidence that they want the ball. They, they know that they're going to beat their man and be able to contribute. Yeah, I agree. And, Again, you know, um, the season officially starts on Monday, and you know, there's there's a lot of conversations that you know, that need to be had with kids who are trying out. And then, like again, we really do try and put guys in a place where their current state of skill and, and ability matches the, the competition level and the challenge level where they're going to be. And so, you know, if that's the case, you know, it may not be what they ultimately want, but the experience will be a better one for them. Another way that I think guys can develop their fundamentals and really their all-around game is watching lacrosse, and that's something that I did a lot of growing up because it was always on TV, and guys around here in Baltimore, you have games. I mean, not maybe not this season, you can't go to games, but typically you can go to games, you can watch players. For guys that are watching lacrosse, they're – I feel like there's a right way to watch the game so that you can use what you're seeing and and take it and, and use it in your own game. What advice maybe would you give to players as they're watching these college games and watching these PLL games so that they can translate some of the higher level plays and skill sets into their own into their own game? Yeah, I mean, I think you know um, maybe you watch kind of positionally, like if if you're a defender, you know, um, watch you know how the defenders um, align themselves, you know, depending on where the ball is on the field. Um, I think the other thing too, you talk about watching games, I think the way we, the way kids consume the games these days is, they watch a lot on their phone and they'll watch like little segments of the game versus watching the whole game. And I think, you know, if you're trying to watch to learn, it's really important to actually watch the whole game or at least watch larger portions rather than snippets of the game. Um, I know, you know, watching um, offensively, uh, you know, the camera tends to focus on where the ball is, but watching off the ball, you know, seeing how uh, the players are moving, you know, in relation to every pass, um, seeing how the field's balancing. Um, watching substitutions is, is really interesting too because you can learn kind of, you know, how teams can gain advantages doing that. Um, but I think also, you know, if if you watch as a as a fan too, um, you can still glean a lot of important factors from that too. Um, and I think it's you know, uh, kids can learn a lot from getting to a lacrosse game live too. And and, and unfortunately, that you know isn't something that you know, we've been doing a lot lately. But um, watching it can be good. But I think if you can even get to a game live, because you can you can hear a lot of things on the sidelines. Um, 
you can um, see a lot of times how guys react. Uh, it's always interesting. Like I, I know like from a coach when I watch our film, you know, I, I can rewind the plays all I want and just say, well, he was in the wrong spot or he, you know, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. But I also like watching like, what are the two seconds after you just made a great play? Like, what, what's your body, what do you do? What, what are the two seconds like after you just turned the ball over? I know, are you getting right back in the hole or are you, you know, yeah, is there a second delay there where it's like, you know, my bad? Or, or, like, so those things are really valuable to learn too, you know, and those are some of those intangible things. Like, you know, watch in a game, like watch how this guy reacted after, you know, he took this shot or watch how he, you know, just next play thinking. Like he made one bad play, but he just on to the next play, you know? Yeah, those intangibles for sure. And, and when you're talking about the noises, like the communication part, I think is so so much greater at the next level that you can really get a sense of how much guys are talking if you're actually there. Um, and then that other intangible is like, how do you react to a mistake? Because you're going to, you're going to make them, you're going to throw the ball away. You're going to miss a ground ball. You're going to miss a shot on the doorstep. What are you going to do next that maybe the camera doesn't always pick up on, on TV? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I watched army in Syracuse yesterday and you know, Syracuse was clearly the team that was supposed to win. They were the team that was very, very hyped. And Army, every single guy on their team just literally has a next play mentality. Just, you know, there, there's no, um, it, it's, it's just, it was so fun to watch them play. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things that we had talked about earlier. They play with so much joy in their heart, reckless abandon, you know, absolutely no fear. Um, they make a mistake, whatever, next play. You know, and it just, it, you watch how they're, success and that attitude weighed on Syracuse when that scoreboard started ticking up and then all of a sudden you could almost feel the Syracuse guys like hey you know we're not supposed to be losing this game you know we're 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 more talented you know we have maybe more show ponies than they do but um again that was a really awesome game to watch from a coach's perspective um because I think we would all love our teams to play the way Army played yesterday against Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. That that's a, just another intangible is that mindset going into a game. Even if you're stacked like Syracuse, like you can't think really for a second that yeah. you know go light or or take it for granted. Yeah. In any game, um, Coach, you thank you very much for coming on today. Maybe towards the end here, we can talk a little bit about Ascension and what what you and Coach Nostrand are doing with Ascension Lacrosse. We can we can for sure do another podcast episode but just to give some people an idea of what ascension lacrosse is i'm sure some people have seen it on social media um and it, and it falls hand in hand with what we're talking about here is the fundamentals and the intangibles and the ability to play without kind of gripping your stick too much and, and thinking too much about oh if i throw this pass am i going to get pulled out of the game or am i going to lose the game for my team i think ascension is is a model that's completely different from that mindset yeah, honestly, um, it, it's it's one of the um, it's the it's the coaching I really love doing the most, you know. And I think um, John had started it in Pennsylvania, and uh, when he relocated down here, we, we had discussed it. And you know, I was right right away I wanted to be involved with that. And um, Andy Hillgarten has come on board now too, as well. And really, it's it's just focusing completely on player development. You know, there's there's a lot of different outlets for kids. You know, their high school teams and their school teams, obviously, um, that's great because of the, the camaraderie and the competition. And then, you know, your club teams, 
are helpful for maybe exposure for you as a player in, in perhaps your recruiting process. But, you know, Ascension's all about just getting better in an environment where, you know, you're not going to sit on the bench. You know, Coach Nostrant and I don't have to decide, you know, who the first midfield's going to be, who's the second, who's getting cut, who's, you know, we don't have to, um, we're not talking about recruiting with, you know. So it's really just about taking all of these, a lot of the things that we've talked about today, fundamentals, maybe newer fundamentals, maybe um, some of these more creative aspects of the game and, you know, having good training sessions that are completely focused on that, just player development. So we try and um, focus on like speed of mind, speed of hand, speed of foot, you know, and, and those are the kind of um, things that we're, we do at an Ascension uh, clinic. And honestly, the, the response has been great and uh, it's been a whole lot of fun too. Yeah, I've really enjoyed helping out with yeah. with that. Um, and just seeing guys play a little bit looser, more free, I, I think how the game is supposed to be played. And then they can develop that confidence like what we were talking about earlier and bring it to their club teams or their school teams. And that makes an impact. And it's more fun to, to watch them, whether it's at a school in the MIAA too, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's It's fun to watch and compete against guys that are playing freely um, the way that, that we like. Completely. And again, we talked about confidence, right? And so much of kids' confidence are tied to outcomes. And when you come and do an Ascension training, there's, there is no outcome other than, you know, um, are you a better version of yourself than when you came in? And like, you just can't help but um, feel like, yeah, I am. And so like, it is great for, for their confidence. And, um, you know, it's not tethered to uh, a scoreboard or an outcome in that way. And there's so much knowledge there with you, Coach Hillgardner, Coach Nostrand, some of the other um, coaches that show out for that. Um, I know I learn a ton from from coaching with you guys, so I think I think kids can really take a lot from those sessions too. Yeah, it's been it's been great, and we're looking forward to you know keeping it rolling. Awesome, Coach. You thanks so much for coming on special topics episode number two. Hope to get you back in here as the season goes along this year. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Have fun. Awesome.